1: Welcome to the Mini your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, June 24th. We have a fantastic interview for all of you listeners on the show today. He is the tournament director of both the Volvo Car Open and this week's Credit One Bank Invitational Team event in Charleston. Bob Moran joins the show to talk about this event going on this week, to talk about how happy he is to be able to bring some form of professional tennis to the Charleston community. And how that Charleston community has embraced tennis as a whole. Uh, For those of you who don't know, the Volvo Car Open, the WTA Charleston event, that always kicks off the clay swing on the WTA season. It falls right after Miami in the calendar. Uh, So many players, when they speak about that event, uh, they speak so you know great, you know candidly Uh, when they're speaking candidly about it. They speak so positively about it. They are just you know they're they're so complimentary. Whether it be the accommodations, whether it be the beautiful Charleston facility, whether it be the tournament organizers such like such as Bob, all the sponsors involved, the fans who come out to the event to really make it such a spectacular atmosphere. Uh, so many people rave about that Charleston event. And so I know as a tennis fan from afar, it is great to see that Charleston community get to see some form of tennis during this time period. And, you know, we talked to Bob about that. We talked about what it was like for him to be able, again, to bring a professional tennis event to uh, the city of Charleston during this time period. Uh, of course, Course, in the wake of the Adria Tour this past weekend, so many players, you know, uh, Chorich, Dimitrov, Novak Djokovic. And by the way, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit before we get to our interview testing positive. Uh, we talked to Bob about what it's like for him to, you know, put on an event under these circumstances, the many precautions, the rigorous, you know, standards and regulations in place to ensure maximum safety conditions, to ensure the health of all of the participants, you know, tournament organizers, volunteers uh, who take part in this event and then you know again we talk about what it's like to bring on this sort of team event i think and i mentioned this during the show but team events uh in the game of tennis have become more and more popular and they just seem to be embraced so wholeheartedly by us tennis fans as a community whether it be laver cup davis cup fed cup uh hopman cup atp cup at the beginning of this season boy was that years ago the inaugural atp cup But all these things are, as tennis fans, these team events, it's clear we're attracted to them. And so for Bob to be able to bring this Credit One Bank Invitational, a women's team event, uh, you know, it's an extraordinary circumstance that brought about this event. But I ask him what he sees, you know, as team events, what role they play in the future exhibition events for the WTA schedule. And then, you know, of course, him being a tournament director, I ask him about the balance of the WTA schedule. I ask him about all of the competing interests, how difficult that's make coordinating, you know, a formal schedule for these players to return to so that we as fans can see action during this 2020 season. Uh, it's a fantastic interview. I don't want to get into any more of it. Of course, we also have fun with Bob as well. I I know you will all enjoy that. As I mentioned, I do want to talk about some of the news that has come out today uh, because there are so many storylines going on right now throughout the tennis world. Obviously, what happened at the Adria tour again this past weekend with Novak Djokovic. Uh, today has not been a fun day for, if you're Kovac Djokovic, if you're part of his camp, so many uh, from the tennis Twitter universe, from the professional universe, you know, media across the board, uh, officials, so many people uh, criticizing him and justifiably. And so I want to talk, you know, again, I want to talk about that justifiably. We'll get to uh, the context behind that because what I've learned is if you make blank, blank statements, it isn't fair. But the Djokovic fans, they attack you on Twitter. So I want to explain myself, at least give my reasoning why I think that criticism has been justified. Although we talked about it a bunch on the podcast yesterday, Technique Tuesday with Carousel. So don't want to get too deep into it again, but I will touch on the developments from that story. And then again, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. There is so much going on around the world so many implications still to be learned and we continue to see again more and more from throughout the tennis world storylines on how this pandemic will affect the game of tennis across the board moving forward i just want to talk about some of the developments talk about also some of the incredible exhibition events what's such a shame about this adria tour happening um adria tour i should say uh fumbling's the wrong word just about you know how how wrong it went i guess for no better way of saying it uh You know, it put a cloud over so many well-executed, so many safe and, again, following protocol events, exhibition wise that have been played where players have seen no problems, where organizers have seen no problems, and there are a lot going on this week as well. Andy Murray made his return to the court today, and he won in straight sets, and, you know, I'm not even going to get to talk about it. I'm not going to get to break down the beautiful flick passing shot that only Andy Murray can hit. I'm not going to talk about the fact that he was probably moving at 75%, but his hairline was probably at 58%. You know, all of these things I would love to spend the entire mini-break talking about. That's not possible uh, because there are a lot of storylines I want to touch on and then get to this interview with Bob. But, of course, the reason we're able to have any of these conversations, do this day in, day out on the podcast, is because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports. And Midwest Sports has been supporting tennis players across the globe for more than 20 years by serving as one of the world's premier online tennis equipment suppliers. You know the deal by now. I don't need to tell you. All of the tennis gear, all of it, rackets, shoes, clothing, you name the brand, it's on their website. You are going to be able to find it. And if you don't know what you need, the best part about the team at midwest sports they really are so friendly they are so accommodating they are you know so understanding and they can help you find the perfect clothing perfect racket perfect piece of tennis equipment that is sure to bring out the best in your game now they also can take pride in saying that their equipment is consistently first to market and they pride themselves in stocking their warehouse with the newest products at the lowest prices now you can find all these products all these killer prices by going to their website midwestsports.com you use our promo code CR15. Not only will you let them know that we sent you there, but you will get 15% off everything. You will get a free. Can of Wilson extra duty tennis balls, and you will get free two day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Uh, Folks, this is what you want. We're all trying to make our return to the tennis court if we can do it in a safe manner, if we can ensure the health of all of those participating. Uh, But we also want to make sure we have the right equipment, the right sort of gear to bring out the best in our game. You can find all that gear by going to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. We are so grateful for their support. The least we can do is ask you to support them as well. Midwestsports.com. The promo code is CR15. And part of the equation, by the way, of getting back on the court, you want to look good. You want to have your equipment ready to go, strings set, uh, you know, rackets newly gripped. Uh, but you also want to make sure you've been eating well. You want to make sure your nutrition is in place. You want to make sure you've been doing the right things fitness wise because there are still things we can be doing while maintaining, you know, social distancing and to keep up our fitness. And the good news is you can learn all about those techniques by listening to our Getting to the Point episodes on these mini break podcasts. We've done them the past four Thursdays with our friends from Aerobar, Andrew Golub, Mark Aerosmith, the guests thus far, Michael Russell, Jay Berger, Richard John Menzing, Bjorn Fortangelo, and folks, it's only going to get better from here, and the reason we're so excited to do it is because we wholeheartedly believe in Aerobar. I'm a guy who gets up in the morning, and you know, I'm not going to lie, I love myself a good brunch. If it's 1pm, 2pm, the right sort of mood, the right sort of day I've gotten a morning workout in... I'm going in on an omelet. I have five eggs. You give me a side of pancakes. You throw in some bacon or, you know, I, I, I'm sorry for saying this, Dad. I will eat sausage at this point in my life because I never really kept kosher and I think it tastes pretty good. Like I said, I'm eating the bacon anyways. Uh, so at that point, might as well go for the sausage too. Uh, but the point is, I love brunch. But if I need to be functional during the day, you know, that's just unacceptable to me. I want an energy bar. I want to be fluid. I want to be loose on the go. And I will tell you, folks, I know even when I'm not turning to the tennis court. When I'm turning to the tennis court, I'm doing this always. But just for a healthy alternative, for the right way to get my day started, I turn to our friends at Aerobar. And you can, too, by going to their website, aerobar.com. You use our promo code CRACKED15. You're going to get 15% off your delicious order of Aerobars, whether it be that chocolate chip, that delicious cinnamon honey oat. You want to get yourself a box. So order yourself up some Aerobars. Use that promo code CRACKED15. Get 15% off your order. Let them know we sent you there. And again, be sure to check out our Getting to the Point episodes with our friends from Aerobar every Thursday on the Mini Break podcast. All right. With that being said, again, I will go through this quickly before we get to our interview with uh, this weekend's Credit One Invitational, uh, This uh, the Volvo Car Open Tournament Director Bob Moran. Uh, but just an update again on where we are at, at with the Adria Tour. And for those of you who maybe didn't listen, and you can get the full breakdown of my thoughts on the handling of this Adria Tour on the the aftermath, the backlash, all the different things by listening to yesterday's podcast. But just a recap. Chorich, Dimitrov, multiple physios, trainers, people who participated in the event, fans that were at the event testing positive for uh, COVID-19. And then today, it's announced Novak Djokovic and Yelena Djokovic, uh, both also testing positive for COVID-19. Now, another person who was there, Nikola Jokic, the uh, starting center for the Denver Nuggets in the National Basketball Association, the NBA. Of course, Nikola Jokic is someone I compare myself to in terms of my playing style. But anyways, of course, we are Risk, uh, wishing anyone who came in contact uh, with the virus, who con- uh, can who caught it, uh, you know, safety, health, a quick recovery, and, you know, all those involved as well. But, you know, these past 24, 48 hours, probably the most brutal of Novak Djokovic's life. And you can tell that they have been because in his statement, uh, he came out today and accepted responsibility, took the blame. And this is not to, you know, this isn't to say he's done with the criticism he's going to be received. It's receiving, excuse me, uh, sorry you had to hear that hiccup live, folks. Welcome to live podcasting. That's what happens when you, again, wolf down Reese's, as I am so prone to do throughout the day, Um, but... You know, for Novak Djokovic, uh, he is going to receive a lot of criticism, and justifiably so, and there's still a lot that he needs to explain himself for, and there's still a lot that needs to be done, Uh, but he came out today and accepted that responsibility in his statement saying, Hi everyone, we're back in Belgrade and I've tested positive for COVID-19 as well as Yelena. The kids have tested negative. We will remain in self-isolation for the next 14 days and repeat the test in five days. I am so deeply sorry our tournament has caused harm. Everything the the organizers and I did the past month We did with a pure heart and sincere Intentions. We believed the tournament Meant all health protocols and the health Of our region seemed in good condition To finally unite people for philanthropic Reasons. We were wrong and it was Too soon. I can't express enough How sorry I am for this and every Case of infection. If you attended Adria Tour or were around any Attendees, please get tested and Practice social distancing. For those in Belgrade or Zadar, we will be sharing Health resources in the immediate future the rest of the tournament has been canceled, and we will remain focused on all of those who have been affected. I pray for everyone's full recovery. And again, I, ran, you know, I went into it yesterday, and everyone on tennis Twitter, every journalist, every person with uh, an opinion in the tennis universe has taken that opinion, and whether it be players, again, members of the media – it's not been an easy day for Novak Djokovic, and again, deservedly so, because as I mentioned yesterday, for the player of the, uh, the president of the ATP Players Council, the number one player in the world, someone whose fame transcends not just the game of tennis but really the world globally, and you could see that because uh, this story popped up from CNN, ESPN across the globe; it was a leading news story, uh, and for him to put himself in this position where there's video of him at the nightclubs, and you know the fact his arms are around all the fellow players, they're interacting face-to-face the fans are on top of one another players fans all you know no social distancing being practiced the flaunting of that what felt like the entire weekend uh it was unacceptable and again for my expanded thoughts that was a summary of them listen to yesterday's podcast Uh, but this is step one Novak accepting responsibility understanding that this is just This is not okay. It's not acceptable. Again, I keep coming back to that word acceptable, and this is not. And he's going to face ramifications. There have been talk. Will he be censored by his fellow players? Will they demand he step down from the player council? you know, there's been a lot of unjustified, you know, to the extreme, you know, some of the things that people are rooting for Novak's failure. Of course, then the flip side of that is the defenders go the 100%. It's not his fault. All of these people are grown men who made decisions. And by the way, there's validity to that. Grigor Dimitrov, Borna Chorich, all these players who agreed to participate under these lax circumstances, they're grown men. They made their own decision. That's absolutely fair. But Novak Djokovic spearheaded the event. And, you know, I, I think it was Kale, maybe Hammond, uh, of Tennis Channel, of course, contributor here at Crack Rackets as well, uh, who pointed out in the Serbian guidelines, they said keep, you know, a meter, a meter and a half between all people at all times. Uh, that was not the case. And obviously, again, we've all seen the nightclub footage. Uh, it's just unacceptable. And so, as he said there, the Adria tour has been canceled moving forward. You know, there's been a lot of apologies, a lot of, you know, trying to explain circumstances, explain that. While they followed guidelines, they didn't do it as appropriately as they should have. You know, they underestimated uh, all these different things. That again, this is going to be a test case. This is going to be, and the USDA came out with a statement, by the way, uh, discussing uh, the ramifications of it in their statement today. You know, and it it didn't mince words. They said today, quote, We are well aware that players have tested positive in recent days for the COVID-19 virus and do wish all players a speedy and full recovery. This situation is exactly why we have created a comprehensive health and medical plan with the input of our medical advisory group as well as other experts that was approved by new york state the creation of a controlled u.s open environment including official hotels transportation food medical and safety protocols enables us to mitigate potential risk and appropriately respond to any issues and as i stated earlier there have been countless exhibitions that have gone off seamlessly you know without a flaw without a single positive case and that's commendable that's applaudable I've mentioned why tennis needs to return this year if they can do it safely healthily create a bubble I've also mentioned why there should be criticism if you're trying to create a bubble why are you playing events in Palermo and DC the week before you put everyone in this bubble for three weeks and just adding to their potential exposure adding to everyone's risk and there are pros and cons to all of this of course and again we've covered them at length throughout the week so I won't repeat them now um but this is a wake-up call across the tennis world, and that's how it's been reacted to, and Matt Willis pointed this out, but it's just fascinating to hear Andre Gaudenzi, the president of the ATP, say, quote, and this is in Christopher Clary's piece for the New York Times, which does a really good job getting perspectives from across, whether it be uh, the tennis world, whether it be players, coaches, uh, event organizers, uh, members of the tennis uh, organizational, tennis executive team, you know, Gaudenzi here. It's a little bit like when you tell your kids when they try to learn to ride the bike to wear the helmet. It's no no, 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 then they fall, they wear the helmet. You know, to compare these players to kids. Uh, that's shocking. But he's not wrong. You know, this is a learning experience, and hopefully we are able to learn from this, be much more careful. Everyone takes this as seriously as it should have been taken from the get-go, and we don't have anything like this moving forward so that we can see professional tennis return uh, during 2020 because, again, from a business perspective, that absolutely needs to happen if we want to see tennis continue to succeed, continue to compete on the broader global market with so many other sports. Um, So that's really, you know, the continuation of that story. Quickly, a couple other things, Um, you know, from the college tennis perspective, something we've been following. Southern Utah announced they will be discontinuing both men's and women's tennis effective July 1st. Uh, They started in the 2012-13 season, uh, but more notably, the Big Sky, which was the conference they played in, was one of three conferences that still had 100% of its schools supporting men's and women's tennis. According to Bobby Knight, the only conferences remaining that had have each member playing both men's and women's are the Ivy League and the West Coast Conference. Uh, that's not good, folks. That's not good at all. And again, some of the programs that have been canceled for all of them. You can find them on Bobby's page. But men's and women's at Wright State, Winthrop, UW-Green Bay, USC Upstate, Southern Utah, East Carolina, and Arkansas Pine, Pine Bluff. Men's teams only at Valparaiso, Kansas City, Florida A&M, Appalachian State, and the women's team at Akron. Again, folks, this is not good. Uh, this is not anything we want to see, but we expected this. This was going to be an inevitable, by- inevitable byproduct of the financial hits so many college athletic departments took and it's so sad to continue to see. Um, But, you know, I just wanted to keep everyone up to date at where we're at with that. Um, But, as I mentioned, there's also a lot of positive things going on right now in the professional tennis world Uh, because, as I said, there have been so many exhibition events that have gone on seamlessly, and, you know, Battle of the Brits is going on right now. We get to see Andy Murray's return to the court. We've gotten to see so many fantastic performances from the women playing exhibitions in the Czech Republic. Uh, And then, of course, we have a debut event, an event we would all be attracted to even if it was a normal year, a normal tennis calendar, and this just happened to pop up on the schedule, and that, of course, is the Credit One Bank Invitational that is going on this weekend in Charleston. Uh, it is a team event. I believe it is eight women on each team. That might be a little bit off, but it is Team P- uh, Team Kindness, which, of course, is the team spearheaded by Madison Keys, and they are taking on Team Peace, uh, which is the team spearheaded by Bethany Maddox. Sands, and you know, again, we are all so excited for this event to take on uh, because there are so many great players from Sophia Kennan, you know, uh, Amanda Nisimova, Danielle Collins, Elia Tomjanovic, of course, our girl BMS, B Dog, Bethany Matic Sands, Layla Fernandez, Shelby Rogers, Vika Azarenka, Sloane Stevens, uh, so many more. It's going to be fantastic tennis, and you know, even though it's still an exhibition, even though uh, a lot of these players haven't played you know, competitively in quite a bit of time, the team environment always brings out the best of them. And there is no better person to be directing a tournament like this than maybe the most enthusiastic person in all of tennis. And I'm excited for all of you to hear from him. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Volvo Car Open Tournament Director and the head of this week's Credit One Bank Invitational in Charleston, Bob Moran. Ladies and gentlemen, I promise you're going to enjoy this one. Joining us on the podcast today is the general manager of the Volvo Car Open, a self-described legend when it comes to squeegeeing courts, and the tournament director for this weekend's Credit One Bank Invitational, Bob Moran. Bob, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great, Alex. I didn't know you were coming in with that intro, though. You, You threw me off with the squeegeeing part. (laughs) <laughs> well,
1: you know i like to do my research and that was what, you know i was watching your tennis channel interview from last year uh the best was watching you describe your technique as well you've put you put some thought into it
0: <laughs> yes well you know you, you, sometimes and what the funny part was Alex, i was hosting all the tournament directors from across the globe at the mobile car open last year and that picture at our global meetings in charleston somehow showed up of me squeegeeing in court so i had to I had to bring it to life on the tennis channel interview
1: no it was beautiful and again it's clear you know what you were doing and it makes sense because you know i saw your arms you've got some guns on you <laughs> uh, so you know it makes sense it, we've all if you play tennis long enough at some point you've squeegeed a court and so you know for me i've never mastered it i i can minimize a puddle but it won't ever entirely go away i feel like on a clay court squeegeeing must just be a nightmare
0: It is. Well, you got squeegees and what we call dolphins. And so the (laughs) dolphins you are rolling and rolling and rolling and they're just taking up water. And then you got to go off to the side and dump it all out and try not (laughs) to take a lot of material with it.
1: Yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah, it is. It, there's an art to it, of course, just like there is an art to being a tournament director, to managing a tournament. And, you know, I think we got the squeegeeing talk out of the way. Now we can get into this yeah. weekend's Credit One Bank Invitational, an event that I know I speak for tennis fans everywhere when I say we are so excited for because particularly it feels over the last two, three years, uh, the abundance of team tennis events, uh, events that emerge on the schedule have captured the imagination the attention of tennis fans everywhere and obviously this year's Credit One Bank Invitational is being held under extraordinary circumstances but let's just start with you know the positives the idea of being able to host an event like this you know so many multi, you know tens uh, 10 of the top uh players more than 10 of the top players from around the world coming for a women's team event the first of its kind you know how thrilled are you to be you know it's game week to be able to execute this event.
0: Yeah, we're really excited to be be able to, to to execute this event. It wasn't easy when we lost our event in April. Uh, we had probably the strongest field ever uh, in the 20 years I've been doing this. Fans were excited. The city was excited to uh, to host the event this year. So it was really um, you know devastating to everybody involved. And and that's when we started talking about you know what's next. Um, you know, obviously the tours and everyone else was talking about what the schedule could potentially look like. Uh, we were looking like looking at if there was an option to come back on the schedule later in the year. Um, and at that same at the same time, Ben Navarro, who's our owner here, looked at me and said, "Hey, is there something we should be looking at? Something we can be doing?" Obviously, these players aren't having the opportunity to compete or play, so let's let's explore our options. And that's when we started really uh, taking a look at what we wanted to do. And to your reference regarding the team aspect, that came from the players. I you know I talked to. Uh, many players about having an event. Number one, they're excited to be here. But number two was, yeah, we think a team event could be really cool because you know you don't want to come in even around Robin, you could come in and play a couple matches and and move on. But they didn't want to come in and play a straight you know tournament um, kind of match where they lose first round, they come to Charleston, they lose on Tuesday, and and they're done for the for the duration. So the team uh, aspect really came from them, and then we just started building what that could look like, and having singles and doubles was really important to us. And then also making the points uh, grow as the week got on because players are coming from different places of training. Some have been training full on and getting match play in. Some haven't played. Madison Keys hadn't played a match since Australia. Um, So the level of play and where they are, we figured let's start out light with points and let players work their way up to the three points over the Saturday and Sunday.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a theme we also see in this event that you brought over from your Volvo Car Open, which is just how player-friendly the event is. And again, I want to get back to the Credit One Bank Invitational, but I do think you should be part of this story as well, because from my perspective from the outside, and correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like you know, the Volvo car open and here at this credit one bank invitational that they've put a fan in charge of the event that you said this ideal fan who just loves the game of tennis, who wants to bring the best out of the players, make the biggest opportunity for, you know, all of the people who come and watch the event. Is that your philosophy as a tournament director? Is that a fair thing to say? I feel like you come at it from a fan's perspective and that's why, you know, fans, players, so many are gravitated to your events.
0: I think, yeah, I, I think that's it. It plays a lot into it. We all, My whole team here is, is an amazing group of people who uh, we all come from event, spe- event experience and we're always looking at it from the, from the fan perspective, but we all really work hard. I have an, uh, a woman on my team named Eleanor Adams, who you'll hear referenced a lot by the players. And her job is to make sure she's looking at everything from the player's point of view as well. Uh, she communicates throughout the year with them. She talks with them. Uh, she's been doing this 20 years with me as well and uh, has built great relationships with the players. So I think we take a really hard look at things from an event standpoint, from the fan side, but I also think we really take a hard look from the player side and what that's like. Um, I, I'd like to think that we listen a lot. And when you listen a lot and not tell a lot, you can you can pretty much figure out what players want to do and what they want to see in an event and what what's important to them. And I think we've done a great job of that over the last 20 years.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with that. I think you have as well. This isn't just flattery. This is objectively. uh, You continue to hear player after player we speak to just raves about the Charleston event, raves about the atmosphere. And, you know, it's not just Hall's Steakhouse that they're excited for. They're excited to be down there playing as well. They're excited just to be on site uh, for the entire event. And so you mentioned uh, the decision to make this a team event being driven by the players. You know, what is the energy like right now on the ground? It's obviously extraordinary circumstances again there aren't going to be you know uh, the usual crowds but what is the energy like for the players to be back in the competitive environment right now uh,
0: you know the energy amongst the players is great it's just it's really odd and it's odd for them because the only time they're ever here is when we're completely built out for a tournament and there's tents and structures and people and all of these things moving parts around and right now we are you know down to everything in the stadium we haven't we don't have to build anything uh, for a fan. So they're walking the ground and they're, they're making comments like how pretty it is, how quiet it is. And we have a pretty large footprint with plenty of practice courts. Um, and it's, it is it is funny, Alex, they are creatures of habit. You know, their first concern was, <laughs> well, I'd be able to get a, a practice court tomorrow. And we're like, well, seeing as you're only 16 of you and we have at least 16 clay courts, we don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, it's, it's been fun to see them. Really start to relax. A lot of them have their dogs with them. I mean, there's at least five to six dogs out on the property every day. And and uh, I, and we're doing, and we told them to bring their dogs. I said, enjoy it. Let, let yourself loose. You're getting away from where you've been for a little bit. We're going to really hold tight to our, our health and safety protocols. But just understand we have plenty of room to spread out. We have plenty of space um so enjoy yourselves get get all the training you need in while you're here and we'll 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 give you all the match play you need and we'll have we'll have a lot of fun doing it so the energy level to answer your question is really high amongst the players the draft was a lot of fun last night they were all eager to see the team they're on and and they're coming up with you know team mottos and sayings and it's just fun to see them back here you know when you Mm -hmm. when you boil it all down
1: Mm -hmm. You mentioned the draft. Uh, I was watching it last night on Tennis Channel. Uh, Bethany Maddox-Sands, friend of this program, so I don't mind saying this. You know, she definitely dropped the first in Tennis Channel history. That's got to be the first time that word was used. Uh, Just because, you know, I love Steve Weissman, but that's not his. You know, he never gets that adventurous with his vocabulary. No. Uh, So, yeah. So uh, the energy yesterday in the draft was delightful. And, again, you you started to talk about – well, I'll ask this question about the draft since I've gotten you there. Yep be honest, you know, how close were you to saying, look, I know no one wants to be the last pick, but we just got to do the draft in public. It'll be too good of content.
0: Uh, That was my, you know, listen, I, I wanted this to be a legitimate straight up draft, but at the (laughs) other side of this, I also felt the trepidation in their voices. The emails they are sending back about having to pick someone last and even having to pick someone first. And, um, I think, you know, what we, we ended up doing, it was just the three of us in a room and they did their draft with me. And then, you know, we decided to say, okay, let's just do it in alphabetical order. So no one's feelings are hurt. And I get, you know, there's a lot of people who are saying, Oh, you guys were chicken, whatever, but you know what? These girls have to play against each other and with each other the rest of the year. And, <laughs> uh, I completely understood their point of view. They're all friends. They really are. This is a really good group of girls who are, who were friends both on and off the court. And uh, uh, so I let them off the hook. I said, okay, this is how we'll do it. And, uh, but I can tell you the teams were selected with a lot of thought and they, they put a lot of effort into their research and everything else.
1: Yeah. And I will also say this I watched, uh, you know, again, the draft and the way Madison Keys was speaking about Amanda Nisimova, just the reverence she was using when she was describing her game. I'm 100% sure. You don't need to confirm the order. That was Madison Key's first pick. You don't even need to tell me. I could just tell from her body language that that's who she picked first. And so, you know, all of those sorts of things are funny. And, yeah, you mentioned it, seeing the players come together. You could tell the energy and the fact that they're all laughing, having fun with one another. It's going to be a really fun event. And for our listeners who aren't well-versed, um, you know, there will be both singles and doubles. Can you explain what the format's going to look like this weekend?
0: Oh, sorry. I lost you there for a second. Sorry about that, Alex. Um, oh, no, you're fine. Uh, I think what was really fun was when we were looking at it, when they got done, the UTR numbers were so close. I, 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 I almost think. couldn't pick, or I, I probably could have picked one or two different to make it a little bit closer on UTR total rankings, but it was pretty darn close. Yeah. And so that's what makes it even more fun. I think the match, the matches that we were able to set with this um, are going to be fun to watch. It's going to be really entertaining. And I got to tell you from being a tournament director who every day has to deal with you know 20 30 players or their coaches or their agents reaching out to see what the match schedule is when I'm running a normal tournament and I say to these players when they're coming up to me I said no nope, you got to go talk to your captains because they're setting the match schedule and both <laughs> Bethany and Madison are looking at me like oh god <laughs> I said, welcome to our world <laughs> <laughs> that is so
1: funny yeah no I mean I love Layla Fernandez I feel like she's going to be the the earliest slot every time they're gonna be like look Layla like we don't play till 8 p.m., so you got to take up the early time frame. This is it's their version of hazing.
0: <laughs> well, you know it's really fun that second match today because um, Emma Navarro is one of our girls here locally in Charleston, mm-hmm. and that you know everyone's talking about that match because that's a rematch of the French Open Junior, where uh, mm-hmm. Layla beat uh, Emma for the title. So mm-hmm. even on those levels, we're having great matchups that people are excited about.
1: Mm-hmm. And for you guys, you mentioned Emma, but to get her and Shelby to both commit to this event as well, how much does that mean to the Charleston tennis community?
0: It Means everything to us. And, you know, as I as I I, I was telling, I, I sat down with Emma and and you know Shelby was an easy reach. We've known Shelby since she was a ball girl here at like seven years old. So I've known Shelby for a long, long time. That was one of my first calls, and she was all in and excited. And I talked to Emma too, and I said, "Listen, you're going to be." You know, you're the best junior in the country. That's my opinion. And I, I've I've seen you play so well in the French and Wimbledon and everything else. And you've represented us at an unbelievable level when it comes to Charles. So I really need you to be part of this. It may not seem like um, a perfect fit for you, but we believe 100% it's a perfect fit for you. So she, as soon as we talked about that, uh, she was all on board and excited to be here.
1: Mm-hmm. And again, for uh, to have this pro event in the Charleston community, to have the sort of commitment it seems from the Charleston community to tennis, how has that helped you succeed? Not only in you know planning this event, but just with the Volvo Car Open as well, and making Charleston a destination tournament for so many players. Well, I think
0: you know what's great about our fans is they are they're, they're tennis fans, and we've watched tennis grow in this community exponentially since we moved here twenty years ago. Um, and, you know, and I can relate that to numbers that are playing on, um, uh, in the local leagues, uh, the amount of clubs that have grown, um, since we've gotten here and the, the number of clubs that have been built since we've, we moved to Charleston. Um, so what's fun for us is to see the game grow so much at the recreational level, recreational level, but also at the junior level. Um, we have a program here. There's multiple programs in Charleston where there's 10, 12 kids going, to, going on full rides, to major universities and colleges to play tennis, both men and women. And I am a, I'm a huge believer, Alex, that I believe professional tennis drives recreational tennis, drives junior tennis. They all are symbiotic. And, you know, what I believe in Charleston is that we're kind of that unique entity that's able to do all three because we're here every day. We're, we're living tennis. We're growing tennis as a professional entity every day. And that helps grow the game. So our, our fans here know we're here all the time. We're in the community all the time. And that translates to when they come out to watch. They know tennis. And if you win here, you're, you're a Charleston girl. I'm sorry. If you're from uh, Sloan Stevens to Sam Stoser to um, Caroline Wozniacki, I can go down our list. They're Charleston's girls now. And our fans <laughs> never forget when you won this event. But they also love doubles here. And that's why doubles was so important to us in this concept. If you come to our event and you're here early week, our doubles courts are full with fans because that's what they play and that's what they love to watch. And that's when I talk to others across the globe. They're like, why why are you guys promoting doubles so much? And I said, because our fans want to. They want it and it's important to us. So if it's important to us, it's important to our fans, it's important to us. And, um, that's, what's been fun for us. And I think that's why we continue to grow as much as we continue to grow with this event is because our fans are bought in and they know what we're, what we're doing every day is for the betterment of tennis and in the Charleston area.
1: Yeah. No, I, I completely echo that sentiment. And again, it was a loaded question. Why do your fans love your event so much? I feel like, you know, that's a softball as soon as far as it they was, come from no <laughs> Yeah, no, again, I'm just trying to get you back. I'm trying to get the invite. I like, got uh, my, uh, my <laughs> roommate went to, uh, you know, to, went to Charleston uh, for college and he just raves about just live, you know, being down there and how great it is just to be there. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm looking for an excuse to go. Hopefully we get to see the 2021 Volvo open. I knocked on wood as I said that um, and we're able to have a return to normalcy in the schedule and you know i would again in doing background for this i read some of your quotes in the aftermath of the volvo uh, car open being uh, postponed because you know that was it, it goes indian wells miami and then charleston on the wta schedule and so you were one of the early events affected by this pandemic and you know i'm curious what was it like for you in that moment for that charleston tennis community to have that event taken away and then you know now Fast forward a couple of months to be able to bring some form of pro tennis to Charleston this year. Uh, how important is that to you to the community?
0: Yeah, it was. It was you know mm-hmm. the devastating. Continued in my because it was from both a you know a staff perspective, a fan perspective, a community perspective, um, from a tournament perspective, it was devastating simply because from a financial perspective, we were you know roughly forty to forty-five percent uh, built out that you pay your vendors and you don't get that money back um so we took a pretty big loss financially but probably more emotionally for everybody who's involved here our ticket holders our vendors our partners um this was you know this was trending from a ticketing perspective to be our biggest year significantly biggest year ever um and you know when you have number one in the world number two in the world and you go right down the list five of the top 10 it was just just We were just so pumped, and everyone was pumped because we worked towards this all year. Um, so it was uh, a devastating piece when we had to cancel. And I can tell you, we pushed until the last minute. We Even at that point, we were looking, can we do this without fans? Can we pull this off? Players are in the States. Can we create a healthy atmosphere? Can we do it? And, you know, the, the – um, um, The dominoes just kept falling very quickly, and it was so – Made that decision to what we had to make our decision that uh, you just couldn't stop the dominoes. And at that moment in time, we just said this is the best uh, outcome for everybody that we just that we move on. Um, but it also got us start to think start thinking about what could be next. And uh, that's one of these thoughts started coming about the credit one bank invitation.
1: Mm -hmm. And I know, again, I speak for all those fans when I say how excited we are to watch this weekend's Credit One Invitational. Uh, You you sort of talked about it; how important it was to you to incorporate the doubles as well as the singles this weekend. Uh, For our fans who are unaware, can you explain what the format's going to look like?
0: Sure. So um, tonight is opening night and we have four singles matches. Um, And so Tuesday night and Wednesday night, those matches are all worth one point. And then Thursday night and Friday night, it doubles to two points each match. And then uh, Saturday and Sunday, all matches are worth three points. And why doubles is so important, I really, the girls basically over the six days will play four times. They'll all play two singles and they'll all play two doubles. But what was important to me is that everyone contribute on Sunday. So I asked both captains, I said, I'd love to see everyone play on Sunday. So let's go with four doubles. And they were all on board and said that should be a lot of fun. So four doubles matches on Sunday should really determine who the winning team is.
1: Mm-hmm. No. And, and again, you talk about the scaling in points. It's very similar to an event like the Laver Cup. And, yes. you know, this is again, I, I talk about uh, I said this at the top the desire uh, demand for team events from tennis fans is probably more uh, at a premium now than ever before. I know, you know, this event came out of extraordinary circumstances, but is this credit one bank invitational something you could see repeated, you know, over the course of the next couple of years?
0: You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, You know, I can't say I'm not looking at that. I I have to tell you, watching the player interaction and seeing how they, they're enjoying each other and really talking the team aspect. It's, it's something I'm really enjoying. I'm liking. Now, is that ever going to have a chance to fit on the schedule? I don't know the answer to that. I I think it's something we want to look at and I think others are probably looking at, um, you know, we're eager to get back on the schedule of 2021 car open and continue uh, our event uh, in the great way that we've been doing for the last many many years uh, but at the same time I think it's opened our eyes to opportunities that you know the girls really are enjoying what this is all about so we may take a look at it as we keep going
1: Mm-hmm. And it's something hopefully we'll be able to see. I will say the prospect of playing in Charleston in June, much more daunting than the prospect of playing in Charleston when the Volvo car open usually is, You are not good. Uh, the girls are I mean, yeah. Yesterday it was
0: 92 degrees with about 120 <laughs> humidity. So they were all worked out pretty good. But, you know, what's, what's kind of cool is last, so we've created these lounges all around our area. I call them pods, lounges that all sit on the current concourse of our stadium if anyone tunes in. You'll see everybody's name, all the players' names on the second tier of our signage. And right below that is where the players are sitting. And we put couches and loungers and chairs. And we have everything they need to just kind of relax and be comfortable. And I don't know if that's good for my fellow tournament directors or not, because the players are like, we need to do this everywhere we go. So um, even though the heat's been up, these areas are in the shade and they, they feel very comfortable where they are. Yeah, no, I mean,
1: I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I mean, again, the thought of that hot, I I get burnt pretty easily, but it doesn't really matter. (laughs) I play through it, but like day three would be just, It would be brutal. There'd be a lot of shedding on that clay court. You need to squeegee my shedded skin. Uh, Yeah, that's a a nice image for all of our listeners as well. Um, You you alluded to uh, getting the Volvo car open back on the schedule in 2021. I know last week the WTA released their schedule, uh, tentative schedule for the rest of this season. Was there any thought in your mind of trying to get your event back on the schedule or was it just an impossibility at that point to do it in 2020?
0: No, we were actually looking um, in early August as a potential, uh, as actually coming back as the first part of the tour. But honestly, as the, you know, the delay, not the delay, but the, the timing of the um, schedule, and I can tell you um, I have probably looked at 20 iterations of schedules over the last three months um, with things changing and moving and changing and moving. And then I think for us, once we got into a 60-day window and then the U.S. Open announcing how they wanted to come back back to market, that really made us, you know, pause and say, okay, this is probably not the best idea to come with a clay event um, in August, coming, you know, coming back for the tour, going straight into a hardcore season, and then the US Open really announcing their travel plans and everything else that went along with it, even though that's changed a little bit since at that moment in time when we were within that sixty day window with the US Open really trying to create a bubble, which I agree with a hundred percent. I, we just said, you know, this isn't the right time. So that's when we decided to move on from, from hosting something in August as officially part of the WTA schedule.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think compromise is a term that all of us are going to get have to get used to if we want to see pro tennis return during this season. As someone who's, you know, planning for an event in 2021, and I know that's so far down the road. But, you know, how prevalent are all the, you know, the pandemic right now and, you know, accommodating for potentially there's still being, you know, that pandemic being around next year in trying to plan that 2021 event.
0: Yeah, I I really think that this little event of 16 players is going to help us immensely. Um, You know, I've talked to the players a lot. They are very well aware of what happened overseas. You know, they're all tennis players and they've been following what's going on over there. So it's made them very nervous. Um, I am very confident in, in what we've built here from a health and safety program and protocols but you know there's some things that aren't natural to us it's not natural for us all to wear masks it's not natural so it's hard but we were making uh, everybody everybody do it Um it's not natural to space with people tennis players like to get up and close and personal and talk and chat And um, these girls wanted to hug each other when they got here and it, you know it's it's not the norm and it's so where, where it's not easy is you know i feel like sometimes i'm the sheriff and saying, hey guys, mask up. Hey guys, let's let's keep spaced. And what what's been great about the girls here, they've they've listened, they are engaging it, they're actually monitoring each other, um, which is what I needed. And in order for us to come back as a sport, and I said it on the tennis channel last night, we have got to work as a team, both our our staffs and the folks that work with us and the players in their teams. We all have to work together because yes everyone came in on saturday and sunday got tested and everyone was negative everyone inside the gates is, was was tested negative but that doesn't mean anything because everyone has to leave here at some point in time they got to go home they got to go to their hotel um and they're going to experience people outside to be it at a gas station or a hotel lobby what have you wear your mask continue to space we're feeding everybody here so no need to go out um, if you're going to go out order curbside pickup or um, Uber Eats, anything like that uh, to continue to be safe and I, I can't tell you how proud I am of these girls because they've all really um, embraced that and are really trying their best to um, do what's right when it comes to the health and safety protocols we put into place I mean honestly when someone's out of practice court as soon as they're done my team is out there and sanitizing the benches, the nets, cords everything uh, so that next person can come out and practice um, everyone has their own cooler my team is completely sanitizing ever after every practice we load it back up the only people that touch those coolers are the players themselves gloves and are sanitizing those at the end of every day and that's just to mention a couple of the things that we're doing and you know, I'll to, to make this safe because you have to and to back to your point this is going to be the new norm moving into 2021 as well um And if we can do it with the players and everything else, then we can start talking about fans. But until we can prove that we can do it with the players, we can't have that fan conversation.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, that leads me to a question I think I have to ask today. Obviously, in the wake of the Adria tour and multiple players testing positive uh, during the course of that event, and, you know, just how laxed it seemed to be, how deregulated, I suppose, or just, you know, it, it felt far too normal given the circumstances going around. And so, while, you know, if you feel like you want to comment on that event, please feel free to. But I suppose my question to you is in the aftermath of something like that, as a tournament director, and I hope our listeners can tell this by just, and I can tell by talking to you, this is the first 30 minutes we've ever chatted, but it's so clear how much you care about the players, how much you care about everyone involved in an event you are putting on. Do you feel it is possible, you know, under these circumstances to even if that means, you know, obviously there will be sacrifice, whether it be without fans or whatever the circumstances may be, do you think professional tennis can be played and that it needs to be played, you know, given the I suppose competitive you know, the global market of competitive sports under these current circumstances?
0: Yeah, I, I think it can be played. And and I think it just really goes back to um being a complete team effort it can be played and i'm hoping that we can help you know guide down the path um through this event that it is possible um but everyone has to to follow the rules everybody no matter what and you know i sent a message to my team last night at the end of the day and i thanked them for all the hard work because it's been hard and i said but we've got to continue to look out for each other and don't take offense if i walk up to you and say hey guys get the mask on or, or separate um and and no one should take offense if anyone on my team is saying it to the other team member i said we all have to help each other we all have to look out for each other because it's just not natural um and i mm-hmm. think the more and more we do it by the end of the week we all should be comfortable about spacing and, and uh masks and everything else and uh you know i i after our draft last night in my interview with tennis channel i just pulled both groups Socially distanced, of course, together <laughs> and, and and just shared that same message that I'm there for them. My team is there for them, but they got to help us, too. And uh, every girl shook their head. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident you're probably seeing some social media from players here who are really trying to show that they're, they're following the rules because they do want to prove that we can come out of this and that we can have professional sports and we can have professional tennis. Um, so I, I told them it's in their hands. Um, we're going to do everything we can to help. But it definitely is in their hands to to make sure outside our bubble, they're doing the things necessary that they're doing inside the bubble.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. And again, I know I speak for all of us tennis fans when we say how excited, even under, you know, if it was a regular 2020 schedule, uh, we would be thrilled for this an event like the Credit One Bank Invitational, and we would be thrilled for this sort of team exhibition, bringing together so many of the top women from around the globe. Um, I guess my last couple of questions, and then I'll let you go, because I know you've got some matches to uh, obviously get underway. But uh, do you think there's a place for, you know, because we've seen so many different exhibitions attempted, we've seen so many different formats from the Ultimate Tennis Showdown to this Credit One Bank Invitational that you guys are playing now. Uh, Those who follow tennis under ordinary times know it's a 45-week-out-of-the-year schedule, that every weekend there's some sort of event that can be played if you'd like if you are a professional tennis player. Do you think professional tennis moving forward, coming out of this quarantine, should find a place in its schedule for exhibition events such as this, such as UTS, even under ordinary circumstances?
0: Well, you know, and this is coming from someone who runs a normal tournament. Um, yeah. You know, what, what we go through as tournaments is player participation all the time. We all want the best fields we can get. Um, we all want players to participate in our events, and now you have, you know, you have different levels. You have grand slams, then you have our premier mandatories. You have your, our premier fives, you have our 700s and you have our internationals and we're all going to get different size fields. Um, and I can tell you a constant commentary amongst tournaments is always going to be about why are players playing more? And you're also going to hear the commentary from the players saying, wow, we have got a lot of, it's impossible for us to play everything that they want us to play. Um, so it's, it's, when you talk about exhibitions, you're adding more to that schedule. And every time you add more to that schedule, it's going to hurt someone who is operating a tournament. Um, so it's, it's really, really difficult to give you probably the answer you want to hear, which is, Hey, we should be doing all the exhibitions <laughs> that, that are possible, but I can tell you from a tournament perspective, it's really hard when um, you're putting all your time and effort into something that's, mm-hmm. you know. The cost of running an event that's a week long is significant. And when someone pops in with an exhibition for a weekend, that steals a couple players away from someone else. Uh, and they're not investing what we're investing. That's hard to take sometimes. Um, so you're hearing my side from a tournament side. My, my side, when I listen to the players, is they need to earn a living. They need to um, have the opportunity to do everything they can. So I get that and understand that. I think there needs to be a balance and there always mm-hmm. needs to be a balance. Um, you know, we get, we go back and forth on when the tournament, when, when should the WTA year end? And I can tell you there's more arguing between players and tournaments about one week, one week. And mm-hmm. I, you know, the tournament, the tournaments would love to see one week more. So it gives a little bit more time for the, for, for the Asian swing to finish up and get to our finals where everyone's healthy playing in our finals. Cause that's our most important mm-hmm. event. Um, And the players are basically that they don't want to see that extra week. It's a long year for them. It's a, it's a long season. So for them, it's like, no, no, we don't want another week out of the schedule. It needs to all fit within this, these 45. We're only playing 45 weeks. And so when you hear me talk about that, the biggest argument we have a lot of times when we're on council calls and and board calls is about one week more or one week less. So think about that when you're trying to add more to the exhibition side of things. And yeah. that's, that's where things get complicated a little bit.
1: Well, I'm really happy you shared that perspective because one of the, I I think again, something it has been kicked around not just this year, but throughout the course of time is how long that schedule is, and again, you talk about adding one week what if you ask tournaments, you know from the player's perspective, hey, we'd like to build in a six-week block between the end of the French Open and the start of the grass season where we can have a little bit of a training period or play exhibition-style events like this, and you know, now I can think of tournament directors across the globe saying, are you kidding me like absolutely not like you know how hard we have to fight already to get our events on the calendar uh but to your point i agree i think there has to be a balance because what's become so clear is in these team style events in these casual atmospheres there is to go to a word you mentioned in energy that's just a little bit different than you see every week on tour
0: yes i i I would i would agree with that and i can you know that's about what we call um maybe a dark week in between the you know wimbledon and the or french and the wimbledon french and wimbledon or wimbledon the us open a dark week just a down week where there is nothing on the count we've had those discussions um and you know it's that's what i mean it's usually we we usually get one week but i think for the for the player health i think everything needs to be looked at um because it's it's not easy going from surface to surface, from country to country, and I don't think our uh, calendar always makes the right sense for players. And to be honest, when you throw now, you're going to get me on a pulpit here, but when you when you throw in <laughs> Fed Cup and Davis Cup, and I think Fed Cup, you know, when I look at the women's side, is really really hard. I know fans love it. I know players probably love playing for their country, but at the same time, we'll tell you that, you know, finishing the Australian Open. Um, after a grueling couple, you know, month in uh, in, in Australia or, or New Zealand or wherever they may be warming up for Australia, and then having to travel across the globe to play into a Fed Cup. And then when they're done, having to go back to the Middle East to start that little swing of Doha, Dubai. Mm-hmm. All right. And then going in the way the schedule is now, going back and you go Indy Wells, Miami, Charleston, and then you're expecting a Fed Cup final. I mean... Okay. You're you just crazy. More major events into a schedule that's already jammed up. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. No. It's just. And again, I, I. Uh, it's not a soapbox. I want to hear that. You know, I wouldn't have asked the question if I didn't want to hear the answer. Um, but you just got I,
0: me all riled up. That's all. Yeah, no, that's good. Again,
1: it, it, it's clear you'll be riding then with team peace because we know Bethany Maddox Sands, that's the team that's going to have the riled up energy. Um, but, you know, to, to your point, I completely agree with you. And I think now more than ever, as we've all had time to sit back and sort of examine where we're at structurally and organizationally with our sport, uh, it's clear things such as, you know, whether it be the ATP WTM merger talks, which feels like months ago, but that was a big thing early on. And then, you know, player relief funding. And now the return of play, trying to coordinate schedules, trying to figure out all of these events. There are just so many competing interests in tennis is what I, I keep, you know, that's what I keep learning from all the conversations we had. And it just seems so hard to get ev- everyone in a room and be like, okay, this is the
0: decision we're going with. And
1: I don't know. Is that fair?
0: Uh, that is more than fair. And, you know, it's, it's like alphabet soup, to be honest, when you, you have ATP, WTA, ITF, Grand Slams all have a position. And you would think in these, this day and time that it would be easy right now, or it should be easy because of the times we're in. These are, these are times that no one's ever experienced before. There's a time to come together and start working on, you know, schedules and announcements and the simple stuff in my mind. To the, it would be now. But what you're seeing is, you know, US Open makes their announcement, ATP makes their announcement, WTA makes their announcement, and it just kind of, and the ITF's going to make their announcement, and we're not making them together as one entity in tennis. Um, and, And trust me, I know that combining tours or entities, what have you, and bringing it all together is a monumental task. It's easy to say this is what should be done, but from a legal perspective and everything that goes into it, I get that it's going to be hard but we should be working towards getting some clarity within the tennis world. Our rules should be the same. Um, our point structure should be, should be the same. All of these things should be the same so the fans at least could understand. If it's a tough if it's tough enough time for a guy like me who's been in this for 20 years to understand how all the rules are different on the ATP and the WTA side and then you threw the IDF in there and the USTA in there, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I think the fans probably have a tough time understanding as well
1: yeah no and like it's very very easy as well you know on the player perspective to say well you know why aren't the players unionized there should be a union a find me one international union over the course of history that has held up and been successful there's not very many and that's not to say i'm anti-union that's just to say the realities of again those competing interests from the organizational side exist on the player side as well and all of that has been exposed uh, over the course of the period but you know again i think that's a conversation we can save for another time uh, two more questions about this weekend's event and then i'll let you go you are on the grounds this weekend you have seen all of these players who's one player that has stood out to you to you th- to where you say oh wow this person has definitely been putting in work over these past couple of months
0: well you know um, you can definitely see sophia cannon feels just looks like she's been training and and ready to go um I do know, you know, Allie Risk. She's she recently bought a house here in Charleston, so she's kind of been up here training a little bit. And she's played some UTR events. Um, let's see who else I really saw who's been out working. Our Caroline Dolhide I saw hitting mm-hmm. today really well, and she's got a big match up tomorrow against Madison Keys. So that should be a that should be a you know a big hitter holiday. Right, everyone should be watching that match because two girls are going to really hit it hard are going to be going at it. Um, Jennifer Brady looks like she's in, in really good shape and in, and really practicing hard. Um, so I, I don't see anyone here who looks out of form. I see I mean, I'm seeing two and three a day, uh, workouts right now from all of them. Everybody's out here twice or three, three times a day working out, hitting. Um, and I think that's part of the excitement. They're all back. So they're all getting the opportunity to hit with each other and, and, and play some match points. But, um, uh, I think you're going to see some really good tennis. Uh, I'm I'm more interested to see how doubles is going to shake out because, you know, there's going to be some uh, pairings that have never paired before. And then you're going to have, you know, you've got, you know, Kennan and Maddox Sands who have played before. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out from a doubles perspective as well.
1: Mm-hmm. no I mean I, it was three lifetimes ago but Sophia Kennan became a Grand Slam champion in January it's uh, unreal and it? It, yeah it's crazy to think about so I'm glad to hear that as well it was very funny yesterday Steve Weissman goes so Victoria Azarenka you know why do you think you've had so much success in doubles and she's like I don't really know and so you know that was, that was one of the highlights it speaks to again the atmosphere though everyone's laughing everyone's having fun and it's going to be a spectacular event now I think I know how you're going to answer this question but I'll ask it anyways to conclude today's interview team peace team kindness who are you going with
0: uh, this is a great talk I appreciate it <laughs> Like
1: I said, I figured I knew how you would end today's conversation. But, uh, you know, uh, Bob, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Good luck with your event this week. And again, for all of our fans, the Credit One Bank Invitational presented by Tennis Channel begins today, Tuesday, June 23rd at 4 p.m. We'll be going on over the next three days. It's going to be spectacular, Tennis. I know we are all looking forward to it. So, Bob, again, thank you for taking the time to chat. Good luck. And if you want to text me your answer afterwards, I'll keep it between us.
0: <laughs> Thanks so much. And I appreciate everything you're doing for the sport of tennis. Thanks so much, Alex. Uh,
1: appreciate you saying that. Take care, Bob. You got it. Bye-bye. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Volvo Car Open and Credit One Bank Invitational Tournament Director Bob Moran, and again, for all of you listeners who want to check out this weekend's action in Charleston, this week's action, I should say, as play has already started, took place yesterday, it's going to play take place today and tomorrow as well. Uh, be sure to check out our friends at Tennis Channel, of course, for all of the action starting at 4 p.m. I believe 4 p.m. each and every day. Uh, there's going to be singles action, doubles action. It's just going to be splendid, folks. So you don't want to miss any of it. Be sure to tune in. And again, big thank you to Bob uh, for taking the time to chat with us. I'm trying to bother B Dog into coming onto the show. Uh, if I pester her enough. Maybe she'll say yes. Obviously, she's incredibly busy right now, Uh, but folks, let's just say things are in the works, so be on the lookout for that, and of course, we'll be monitoring those events and all the events, all the action going on, all the storylines, results, controversies as we so often do on this mini-break podcast as the week goes on. We talked again at length about the Adria Tour and the consequences of that event on yesterday's podcast, and of course, got into another edition of Technique Tuesday, talking about the importance of footwork with our friends at My Tennis HQ in particular. It was Carousel on the show. Uh, we also had Mark Lucero on the mini break earlier this week to talk about the US Open, about the exhibition events in general, and then, of course, the Adria tour. Grigor Dimitrov, so many people now testing positive for COVID 19 in the aftermath of that event. And then Cracked Interviews-wise, we're rocking and rolling. Few people in the tennis world have more experience across the board in tennis than our guest this week on the Cracked Interviews podcast, University of South Florida Men's Tennis Head Coach Ashley Fisher. Oh, it's a fantastic conversation. I believe it's an hour and a half interview. You add an intro, outro. It might get close to the two-hour mark, but it's a perfect one to split up across a couple of days because we dive into so many different topics, so much experience from Ashley. I promise once he starts talking, you're not going to want to stop listening. That's why the interview went so long because I just kept learning more and more and hopefully you listeners will feel the same way and of course we've had so many guests from across the tennis world whether it be people like Dennis Kudla, Mitchell Krueger, Monica Puy, Bethany Maddox-Sands, you know people like Sam Riffis, Ashley Leahy, Michaela Gordon, Alexa Graham, uh, Gianni Ross, Elliot Spaziria. I can go on and on. The point is, folks, Rajiv Romp, Ronnie Schneider. Uh, we've had them all on the podcast. You don't want to miss any of that. Mark Miles, Ben Rothenberg, Gil Gross. So be sure to like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast, and the Inside Out Podcast. Be sure you don't want to miss any of our YouTube videos as well, so go hit the subscribe button there. You don't want to miss the incredible work of our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, who have a of an any job to do day in, day out, and always get the job done. By the way, if you want to hear the backstory of why I say that at the end of every podcast, go subscribe to our Patreon because we just did our first Patreon mailbag. It was a it was delightful. One of my favorite podcasts I've ever recorded. Max Rothman and I getting to our roots, answering some of your listener questions. Uh it's very funny. It's uncensored it's delightful. And uh, so, you know, if you want to hear that, please, we ask you go join our Patreon. And to all of you who have already, uh, we greatly appreciate your support, especially in a time like this. It means the world to us. So that is our gift to you, of course, as well. Uh, and then again, if you've missed any of our content, be sure to go to the website, crackedrackets.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, it's at Rackets. You want to slide into my DMs directly, it's at greatshotpod. As I always say, a big thank you to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. Shout out to our friends at AeroBar as well. Be sure to use that promo code Cracked15 to get yourself in the right place nutrition-wise and joining. uh, Just get yourself a nice case of AeroBars. And be on the lookout again for those Getting to the Point episodes. Our next one will come out tomorrow. Uh, You're going to like the guest. I guarantee it as well. But with all that being said, again, for our wonderful guest today, Bob Moran, our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, our friends at both Midwest Sports and Aero Bar, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.